Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. Bethesda Church, how are you guys doing today? (laughs) You guys look so awesome. Would you do me a favor and just high five, air high five for social distancing your neighbor and tell them you look so much better in church? Because you do. So I am so excited to get to speak to you today, and I'm going to be talking with you for the next few minutes on the topic of you need an encounter. You need an encounter. So as we jump on in, I just want to kind of introduce myself. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Jeremy. I serve as the Dream Team Pastor here. We would love for you to jump on our teams. You can do that through going through the Next Steps class, which is at the end of the month. And I would love for you to just um, come serve alongside of us. And let's make a difference in this community. Amen? All right, so for time purposes, let's jump in. So how many knows that there's a major difference in in an encounter and experience, right? Have you guys noticed how everything now is an experience? So um, my wife and I, my family and I, we just moved from Phoenix, Arizona, and we went to a restaurant there, and it was called Steak and Stone. And so they brought you out this raw piece of meat, and you gave you a lava stone that was like 5 billion degrees. The operations guy, me, was, I was sitting there, I was like, this is such a liability. I hope you have good insurance. But anyway, so they brought this hot lava stone on, and we actually cooked their steak right there on a lava rock in front of us. It was so cool. And we paid for it too, right? Because for an experience, you pay for it. Even coffee is an experience now. You, you go and they memorize your name and, you know, write your name on there. They try to memorize your drinks. You'd come back and spend $60 a day in coffee, right? Not you, just me. But, um, <laughs> but it's an experience, right? But how many of you know that there is a huge difference in an encounter and an experience? Because have you ever encountered something that, like, left you changed forever? Like you'll never, ever be the same. I would say if we passed around the microphone, everyone here could kind of give me an experience. But I'm reminded of a viral video that went around a few months ago of this guy. I think he was in the Colorado area. And uh, I used to work in Colorado, so I'm sure it was because there was tons of animals everywhere there. But he was going for a run and ran into a mountain lion. And he kind of like flipped out. He stopped, put his hands up, and kept backing up. And so this huge cat started following him down the, um, the trail for what seemed like an eternity. And finally, it like, you know, swatted at him a couple times. Then it turned around and walked back because it knew it had the advantage, right? So I myself have never ran into a, a, a mountain lion while going for a run, thankfully, because I'd probably have a heart attack. But I have had a run-in with a tick, So we used to live in the Virginia area. You all laugh. Like, I know, it's the littlest things with me, right? So we used to live in the Virginia area, and I got bit by a tick. Didn't think anything of it. I woke up the next day, like, a line from my knee where it was bit going all the way up around my heart. My wife is a physician. She flips out because anything going towards your heart is probably not good. So anyway, months of medication, I felt like a zombie, and lots and lots of joint pain. And still to this day, even though it was years ago, I still have joint pain from time to time. Not my age, it was the Lyme disease. But (laughs) I say that jokingly, but honestly, it's the Lyme disease. So 
I still have issues. So whether it's a huge mountain lion or a little tiny tick, you know, that joker was changed forever as well as I've pretty well been changed for the rest of my life because of a tiny little tick. So typically, an encounter will leave you changed. But isn't it like an encounter? Two people can have this two different experiences, but both leave kind of the same, changed forever. So I want to kind of share with you a story in the scriptures today from the books of Exodus chapter 3 and 4. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit if you would kind of do that with me, but then we'll tie it all in. So if you have your Bibles, and you should, go to Exodus 3. We're going to read through 1 through 6. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now we're going to skip the rest of chapter 3. If you would, go to Exodus 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And I complain because I have to get the wife and kids in a car in the SUV for a road trip. Think about a donkey. Anyway, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. So I'm going to sum this up real quick. So Moses basically has this encounter with the angel of the Lord inside a burning bush, that wouldn't be consumed, right? And then God begins to speak to him. So the rest of chapter 3 and 4 that we didn't read was basically God giving Moses some direction. And then Moses would give God all of his insecurities and his weaknesses and tell him, this is why I can't do this, right? So then God equips him and says, hey, go back to your father-in-law. So he goes back to his father-in-law, gets a blessing, and he sets out for Egypt. But before we go any further, I kind of want to take a moment, and let's just look at Moses as a person. It'll build kind of a context for where we're going today. So Moses lived 120 years, and it's said of him that he spent the first 40 years of his life thinking that he was something awesome, right? Because he was royalty. He lived in the palace, had servants, all that fun stuff. So he kind of spent the first 40 years thinking he was somebody. The next 40 years, he was alone on the backside of the desert in the pasture tending to sheep, realizing that he was a nobody. And then the last 40 years of his life, he spent in the wilderness leading the Israelites to the promised land and realizing that God can use anybody. But where we're at in this part of the story is we're at the part where the burning bush moment happens, which is in between Moses' 40 years of tending to the sheep and then God kind of calling him into his destiny to lead the Israelites to the promised land. So we're kind of in that tension moment when he's there saying like, hey, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I stutter. I have this. I have that. You know, we've kind of all been there, right? 
And God's telling us to do something and we give him a laundry list of why we can't do it. So the burning bush moment is a huge pivotal part in Moses' life, as it should be in everyone's life. So if you're taking notes, my first point, I want you to write this down, is when something is burning in your life and it won't be consumed, it might just be God trying to get your attention. Think about that. The, when something's burning and won't be consumed, it might just be God trying to get your attention in the area. The hardest thing for God to get sometimes, think about this, the God who owns everything, the God who creates everything, the God can make anything happen, sometimes the hardest thing for him to get is your attention. It is. Think about it. We are the only thing he created with free will. We get to decide what we give attention to. He can't make us give attention to anything. So I post the question, Moses has spent 40 years on the backside of the desert in a pasture. Now, I just lived in the desert, and so sometimes when I read that and they say in the backside of the desert in a pasture, I'm like, I don't know what desert he's in, but the one I was in had no green grass. Everything was brown and dead. People would be like, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm like, it's brown and dead. What's beautiful about it? But anyway, so, <laughs> but, so he's about on the backside of the pasture, and I kind of have to stop and question while he's alone and going through all this is why did God not allow Moses to have the burning bush experience when he was in the, the palace? Why did he not have that moment then? Could it be that God couldn't have gotten his attention? He was too consumed with himself. He was too consumed with palace life and having servants and people all around him that maybe God gave him burning bush experiences that we just don't know about it and he didn't respond to them, right? Because it took God taking him to the backside of the desert all along tending to sheep, which are not amazing animals to, to make them do what you want them to do to finally get his attention for him to see the burning bush, right? But sometimes burning bush moments are moments that bring you to your knees, I, I would challenge you, like, what if it's, um, what if your burning bush moment might be a divorce? What if it's cancer? What if it's a rebellious child? What if it's addiction, financial troubles, or maybe even a death of a loved one? God will try to get your attention, even if it means allowing you to be uncomfortable. We don't like to hear that, do we? Because we don't like to be uncomfortable. Our society is addicted to comfort. But sometimes God will allow you to be uncomfortable. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying God sends the disaster because he does not. But he will certainly use it for your good. Amen? I don't think God sent the coronavirus. If he did, he totally missed it because it wiped out the population, the older generation that truly love him, the ones whose prayer coat prayer coattail that we're still riding on. Amen. We have all this because of their prayers, right? It, it's the truth. So if we want to sit and say, oh, God sent the coronavirus, then he missed it because he wiped out the people who loved him most. But the thing that I want you to understand is, is that when, when we go through these moments and we go through these, these issues that we keep circling and circling, right? We're from the country where it says, you're still going around that mountain, right? When you're going around and around, it may be God trying to get you to get your attention and get you to see something. I've learned a lot. Like, I've had a crazy life. Some of you know my story. Some new ones do not. Had an insane life. And sometimes I have thought that I was past something only to realize that I was not past it at all. Like, um, so my parents quick, little thing. My, my mom died when I was 10. My dad died when I was like 17, 18. 
Then my sister basically raised me. And in 2012, she was brutally murdered. Not just like, oh, accidentally someone killed her. No, like she was brutally murdered. And so I had to filter through that. And there was years where I thought, I'm good. I'm over it. Only to get sent to the desert to to figure out I'm not over this. So sometimes you can think that you're over something and you're not. And it takes a burning bush moment for you to realize, hey, I need to get this together. I need to do something. And then the pandemic happened and God showed me a lot. Man, I realized that we, God doesn't need anything from us. Did you all get that? Like, dude, you know, like, I love this. I love that I get to do this. I love all this stuff. But God showed us he doesn't need any of this, right? He'll shut it down. He doesn't need our buildings. He doesn't need our programs. He doesn't need our crowds, our orders of service. He doesn't need your job, your school. He doesn't need sports, right? He doesn't need any of that stuff. And, in fact, he'll shut it all down and lock you in a, your house with your family to get you to focus on what's truly, ma- truly important, right, and get you in a room with your family. Because the thing that I thought about during the pandemic, I was like, man, we're under one of the, I'm not going to say the greatest because there's plenty of examples in the Bible, but one of the biggest attacks on the family, right? And so a coronavirus happened and what does God do? He's like, I'm going to lock them all together. They'll either love each other, they'll kill each other, one to two, right? And that, that probably happened in your house as well. But here's what I want to get to. You need to listen to God when there's a burning bush. You do. It's him trying to get your attention. So what did Moses do when he saw that the bush was burning and wasn't consumed? That brings us to point number two. And I almost titled the sermon this, but you need to turn aside. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to turn aside. It says, so he looked, he being Moses, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he, Moses, turned aside to, the, to look, then God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Think about this. How long did the bush burn before Moses noticed it? How long did it take for it, for it to get his attention? The Bible doesn't tell us. Was it there the full 40 years? Was it there the entire time? How long did it burn? We don't know. But finally, whenever he saw that it was on fire and wouldn't be consumed, the Bible says that he turned aside. He finally gave attention to it. Many of you are having recurring issues and problems and concerns that you keep going around the mountain, as we said before, around and around. And you spend most of your time frustrated, complaining, and you can't see a bit of progress in your situation. Can I tell you that maybe you need to turn aside It's time to turn aside. You know what? I got to go there. I got to do it. So there's this principle in the Bible, and this may sound rude, but it's just who I am as a person, that I feel like most of the Christian population, they don't understand. They don't get in it so simple. And sometimes I don't because my mouth gets me in a lot of trouble. But sometimes the best thing we can do for a situation is to shut your mouth. Is it not? The Bible says... 
The Bible says that the God of the universe spoke the world into existence. And then he goes on to tell me that I am made in his image. And if I'm made in my image, that tells me that I'm in his likeness. Then if I speak, then I can speak things into existence. When I speak, my life begins to go in the direction of my words. And some of you all, all you get done is speaking curses, right? The Bible tells me that, that I am to speak things that are not as though they were. So that tells me that I need to shut my mouth if I can't speak blessing over it. Amen? And to prove it to you, Numbers 14, 28 says, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. Oh, what you saying, boo? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Ancient Jewish wisdom says this, that complaining brings a curse on the complainer. And if the Bible says that, we, that God inhabits the praises of his people, some of you all, there ain't no way you're getting the breakthrough. There ain't no way you're getting the healing because you keep speaking negative things over it. I come today to tell you that it is time for you to turn aside and shut your mouth or start speaking some blessings over your situation. Stop focusing on the problem and focus on the God that can give it to us. Get on your knees, guys. So the, the thing that the, I'm going to go there. I'm just going to go. So the thing that frustrates me so much with, with like church culture and church world is I'm so tired of seeing the people of God go through battle after battle after battle. I sit back and assess stuff. Like that's how my brain works. I'm kind of like an operations dude. And so I sit back and I look and I see like, you're complaining about depression, anxiety, um, kids going crazy, like all the crazy in their life. It's no wonder the world don't want anything to do with us. We can't offer them nothing. You can't offer them something you don't have. Free people, free people. You can't give them something if you don't have it. I need some people who are willing to get on their knees and pray till something breaks through. I need a, a church to get to the place that they say, you know what, I'm going to fast until it breaks. I'm going to take communion every single night with my family until it breaks. I'm going to pray scripture. Who knew? Because I'm speaking the word of God over the situation. Until something changes, it is time for the church to step up and do something. Everybody's like, oh, well, we don't want to look like the world. Pumpkin, you look like the world now and you can't offer them anything. It's time to look a little different. Yeah. Holiness and sanctification is still pretty important. Okay. Point number three. Let's move on. <laughs> so take your shoes off. So in the scripture, there's two points to, to taking your shoes off in the Lord's presence. So in the scripture, the, God said, stop. He said, stop, stop, stop. Take your sandals off. You are on holy ground. He said, stop. Have you ever noticed like when you go somewhere, like to somebody's house, you typically like take your shoes off. You know, like if they invite you to dinner, you probably go in and take your shoes off, right? It's a, kind of a symbol that I'm going to be here for a minute. But if somebody stops by your house to pick something up, they don't take their shoes off, right? Like Pastor Jason stopped my, by my house the other day to grab my, a card from me. And like he didn't take his shoes off. He was there. He ran in and ran out, right? Quick. You're not staying. And then when you go home in the evening, most normal people take their shoes off, right? To, to, I'm going to relax and take my shoes off. I do not. I do not take my shoes off. It's weird. That's sermon for another day. But I don't take my shoes off. Off. But anyway, we, and then I'm asking you, hypocrite, kidding. Okay, side note, got to get focused. So many times in this moment, the God is asking him, said, I need you to take your shoes off. I need you to stay a while in this moment. I need you to realize that I have something for you, that I'm holy. It is a sign of respect 
right? So most of the time, though, we don't take our shoes off. We want to run in to God. We want to check it off. We want to be like, ooh, I did my little Bible app today. I gave God my grocery list that I want because he's a genie in the sky, right? Like, I need you to bless this. I need you to fix that. Really need a million dollars. Need the car fixed, right? We give it to him, and then we keep our shoes on and run off. And God's saying, I need you to stop, Moses. He says, I need you to stop for a minute in this moment. Because most of the time I've learned that an encounter takes a little bit more than a moment, right? An encounter is a little bit deeper than a moment. Think about this. I'm old school. Like I grew up back in the day where where these older generations, they were in a tent on the backside of a mountain up in a holler and you went at seven and you might have left at three. But bless God, when you go down and you kneel in that sawdust and that hay, you ain't getting back up until they've prayed you through, right? I need some people who are willing to say, you know what? I need an encounter. I need a moment with God to where when I stand up, it's different than it was when I got here. But think about this. God didn't change, just the venue changed, right? I don't have to go to a tent anymore. Thank God I have an air-conditioned, multi-million dollar, whatever this place costs, building that has lights and flashing and all this fun stuff. But here's what I need you to understand. The second part of taking off your shoes is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of understanding God's authority. When Moses took it off, he said, I'm going to sit here in this moment with you. I'm going to sit here. Here's what he said. He asked Moses to do something, and Moses obeyed. Take your sandals off. If you take your shoes off, you are saying to God, I know that what you have for me is good. I don't care what it looks like around me. I know it's good. It may make me uncomfortable because God's not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. He don't care about your comfort, boo. But the problem is, is we don't want to take our shoes off. Because then we realize that we have to surrender my emotions. Oh, I'm going to go there. I am so, like, I get frustrated sometimes because we get so fixated on our emotions. And it's absolutely killing a generation. Well, I feel like I identify like this. I feel like I'm like this. I feel like the church isn't meeting my needs. I feel like the worship isn't very good. I feel like the church people aren't very nice to me. The pastor walked by and didn't even speak to me. I feel like, insert the blank, I feel like, I feel like, pumpkin God don't care about your feelings. He don't. They don't. Here's how I know why. The Bible says your heart and your feelings are deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9. So why does he care about your feelings? And that's harsh. He probably does care about your feelings because he loves us. But at the moment, sometimes you have to get over your feelings. You do? Sometimes God has asked me to do stuff that I didn't want to do. But then I made a decision that I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to follow God. And you know what? The feelings eventually followed. But that's what I need. You should clap for that. That's awesome because feelings... Decisions lead, feelings follow. That's what Moses did. The decision was that I need you to take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. But here's the problem. We won't take the shoes off. We won't because we like the comfort. Furthermore, the part that I want to say is this part is not about you. 
It's, it's not about you say, well, I feel like the church is, I feel like it's this, feel like it's this. Guess what? Church isn't about you, honey. If you've already accepted Christ, it's time for you to grow your spiritual tail up, learn to get in his presence, learn to be a self-feeder and read, to study, to show yourself approved. It's time for you to find a prayer closet in your house and figure out how to get on your knees and get to God to answer your prayers and quit the, trying to depend on us. The Bible says that your pastor is supposed to equip you equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You're supposed to do the ministry. We equip you. And this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to equip you. Go home and find a prayer closet. Get on your kitchen table with your kids and your wife and read the Bible together and pray until something changes. And stop complaining about getting on Facebook. Bless God, they're down there giving the druggies Narcan. Last time I checked, the druggies are loved just as much by God as he loves you. But you're too busy working your thumb ministry. Get off the Facebook and get to praying. Get on your knees. Bind Satan. The Bible says whenever we bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. Loose on earth, it's loose in heaven. Why don't you start binding some stuff and cutting the heads off of some demons and this drug pandemic or epidemic in our region might go away. How about that? Woo! They may never give me a microphone again. But here it goes. So he says to Abraham, he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have to ask the question. I scratched my head. I said, why did he say the God of Jacob? If you've read the Bible, and if not, go home and do it. Um, he said that he read, Jacob wrestled with God, and then God changed his name, changed it to Israel. So why did God not say, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel? Why did he say Jacob? Because God wanted you to understand that he identifies with you when you are at your worst. He identifies you when you are the liar and the trickster. He identifies with you when you've not had this radical breakthrough. But here's what I'm trying to tell you to do. There came a point that Jacob and God got tired of wrestling together and Jacob surrendered. God pushed on his hip. He walked with a limp for the rest of his life because sometimes when you surrender to God, you look different for the rest of your life because that's what an encounter does. We're so addicted to experiences. I promise you, bring your people here. Bring them here. We're gonna give them an amazing experience. But then I need them to come here and because you can get to God and you've prayed, they have an encounter with God and when they walk out that door, they're changed. Come on. Right? That's what it's about. All of this is a tool. The word says, then Moses walked off with the rod of God. And if you've read the Bible, you know everything he did with that rod. It was a tool. This is a tool. The lights, the smoke, all this junk. Do you, does God need it? No. He showed you last year he don't need all this. But he'll certainly use it to get them to come in. But they can't come in and leave the same. So this church and every church in America has to set up and get to God because we can't live off experiences. We have to live off of the encounters. God did something radical. Everybody, like Ashley and I know that a lot of people, like we've moved 712 times, ask your children. It's like a thing, people laugh at us about it. But you know what? Every single time we've had a burning bush to move us except one time. We know when it was, we've repented of it. 
But God moved us this last time from here to Lynchburg, Virginia. We had no relationships. It was us four and no more, not from the lack of trying. It was like we would try to build relationships, nothing, alone. And then I had this amazing opportunity. I worked as a consultant, lived on an airplane, hated it, missed so much with my kids. And then this church started popping up all the time for it. They were hiring an executive pastor of operation. I was about to finish my MBA. I was like, let's do it. Let's jump. Another burning bush. Something crazy happened. Don't have time to tell it to you. But then doors open and we moved. We moved to Phoenix, Arizona, literally the desert. And about a year of living in Lynchburg before we moved, we had one of our children go crazy. Now, in Lynchburg, it wasn't crazy crazy. It's like she, you know, she just kind of got on her nerves a little bit. Not deep, but we were getting there. Well, when we got to Phoenix, Arizona, it got deep. It got crazy. Like, it's not my story to tell, but let's just say my wife and I was ready to cash in her 401k to ship this kid off to boarding school. I needed her out of my house. I would sacrifice her for my other kid. It got that bad. Police reports in Phoenix with their names on, their kid's name on, like crazy. Hell on earth. And if you know me, like, I love to work. Like, I usually have a full-time job and two or three side gigs. Like, I'm a workaholic. Not proud of it. It's just who I am. But then... Right before the pandemic happened, they fired me. Never been fired before in my life. So I like flip out. I'll probably tell you the story one day if they ever give me a microphone again after this because I'm an open book. But anyway, so they fired me. So I flip out. Like I'm like, in the beginning I didn't. I thought, you know, I've got a, a lot of degrees, a lot of school debt. So I was like, it'll work out like I'll get a job. Couldn't get a job. Months went by, no job. Months went by, no job. I start losing my, my mind. So I got a kid going crazy. I'm crazy. All these past demons of like everybody and their granny and my family died. Like I'm just all my stuff coming to the surface. It's going crazy. About to lose my marriage if I'm, I'm honest. And there came a point where I just left and went for a walk. Now I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. It was 700,000 degrees. So going for a walk is not a smart thing. But I was like, I just got to get out. I got to get away from people. I went for a walk. I had this moment where, like, I think I find, like, I for real, like, got saved. It's kind of funny to say, but it's just this moment because all the crazy had built up. And I, I get there, and I start to realize on this walk that my family had been burning but not consumed for years. Years. I'm kind of being vulnerable for you. I was so embarrassed at myself as a leader, as a father, as a husband, that I let my family burn for years because I was so consumed with degrees and promotions and this job and that job and all this junk that means nothing. And my family was on fire. So I took a moment and I said, I've got to turn aside. And when I turned aside, Ashley and I learned how to war in the spirit like never before. Pumpkin, we bought those little communion cups like we passed out to you on Amazon. It showed up at our door. We took communion for a year every night. Our kid that was going crazy, she couldn't stand it. You could just see her, like it, it made her skin crawl. But I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. Keep doing it. So then we started praying scripture. There's a scripture in Hosea where you pray a hedge of thorns around somebody or a situation. And when they chase their lovers, they can't find them. She would get a group of friends we didn't like, and we would start praying that scripture within two weeks. They'd drop her. Crazy stuff happened. And so we kept praying, and we kept praying, and we learned to get to God. So then we started going to a small church because the 
church fired me. <laughs> so we kind of had to find a new church. So find a new church, and they asked me to be the volunteer youth pastor. I didn't want to be a youth pastor. Like, I love children, but from a distance. No, I'm kidding. I do. Your kids are safe from me. Love. But at the time, I kind of didn't because I didn't even like my own kid. But anyway, so I said, yes, let's do that. we got to get her in his presence. So then they came to me, and they said, hey, we have a prophet. And anytime somebody says that they're like a self-proclaimed prophet, I kind of like squint my eye a little bit. And I was like, eh. And they're like, they, he wants to speak the youth service. I was like, sure, let him come. So this dude preaches, and then he starts praying. And a, like a fog entered the room. It was like electricity. I've been around this stuff for a, my entire life. And I've never felt anything like that. I mean, electricity, hair on your arm standing. And he starts prophesying and speaking to these kids. And then he gets to my daughter. And I, can, I walked away changed forever. Because the God of the universe walked into that little church in that room. And he spoke to my baby girl for nine minutes and 48 seconds and he laid all her junk bare and there was no one in that room that knew her story but me and her and when I say the detail of it was so mind-blowing and he spoke destiny over her and told her how she was going to change the world and how she was going to do it even down to what sports she plays and whichever one she chooses she'll excel at it like mind-blowing and I, you say, why do you tell me this story? Because it was an encounter. It wasn't an experience. I'll never be the same. And my daughter was changed forever. But here's the cool part. She didn't just go back to the way she was before because that's not how my God does it. She's 100% better than she was before because when my God fixes something, He doesn't take it back to what it was before. He makes it 150 times better than it was before because He's not into restoration. He's into restoration plus, plus, plus because that's the God He is. God will give you a moment of fire so that you can turn aside and walk into your destiny. Moses, at that moment, went back and stepped into his destiny to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He went back and said, I got to go, father-in-law Jethro. I got to leave. I got to go. And he blessed him and he went. Because here's the thing. God may burn once and then ask you to burn for the next 40 years. He may burn one time and set you on fire to burn for the rest of your life or for 40 years. But you can't be dependent on the emotion. You can't be dependent on the next fire, the next first Wednesday, the next move of God. What if there isn't one? But he's got to shut it up in your bones from an encounter that you say, I know that I know what he told me to do. And I surrender to that. And bless God, I can get to him whenever I need to. We may shut down next week and you be stuck in your house. And there's not a first Wednesday. There's not a Sunday morning. And can you get to God? Because he sent me today to challenge a church to find your prayer closet and get to God. So that when these people come in, we can offer them freedom. He's wanting you to encounter Him today, not just experience Him. He's done with the experience. It's time for an encounter. It's time for an encounter with Him. It's time to leave changed. It's time. We don't have the luxury of waiting any longer. 
You may be here today and you say, I need this encounter. I need this change. If everybody would stand, I want every head bowed, every eye closed in this moment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do two things here. The first one is we gotta take care of salvation. If you're here in this building and you say, man, that Jesus dude that was in that bush, that's some crazy stuff. I need that in my life. I promise you that the experience the encounter that he's going to give you right now will change you for the rest of your life. It's not going to be crazy. It's not magical. It's like not anything that we say. It's just a moment between you and God. Just like Moses surrendered at that burning bush, all he's asking you to do today is surrender to him. If you're here, I'm asking you. We're not going to embarrass you. I just want you to, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, I need this Jesus, I just want you to simply raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip it up high enough for us to see. And here's what I want us to do. I want every one of us to pray with those that raise their hand. If you're online and you clicked it, pray this prayer with us. Say it out loud. I want you to say, Jesus, I surrender all of it to you. Ask you to come into my life, into my heart, and forgive me of all of my sins. And help me to go forward, loving you, forgiving others, forgiving myself, and seeking your face for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those that prayed that prayer? Now that one's awesome. That's the first encounter. Here's the second. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes because here's the part. I need you that if you need an encounter with God, I'm talking like the real stuff, like we took care of salvation, but now you need a change in your life. You need something to shift. I'm gonna ask you to come and let one of these prayer team members pray over you today. I'm asking you to, to just, this is step one. And then here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do. I'm gonna encourage you to go home and find a place to pray. Just, just clear out junk and find a corner and say, this is where I'm gonna pray and make it a priority. If you look back in the scripture, when he turned aside, he was marked and changed forever and he surrendered. Surrender to the Holy Spirit and let him lead you to get to him through prayer. Fast if you have to. Take communion every night. Tear up bread and drink Dr. Pepper. I don't care what you do. It's the act. It's not the actual physical what you're eating and drinking. It's as you do this in remembrance of me. It's the remembrance part. But get to God. Do it for this city. Do it for your family. Do it for, do it for this church. So I'm going to pray over you as I finish up. And then I want you to come and go after God to encounter him like never before. But I, I pray after this. My prayer is that you won't ever have an experience with him again. I want you to have experiences, but I want you to go after encounters that leave you marked for the rest of your life. Father God, over this church, over these people, over, uh, everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're online, whether they're in-house, I pray over the body 
of Christ all over this world, that they would seek your face, they would humble themselves, and they would go after you like never before. Because the God of the universe can walk into this church, he can walk into their bedroom, he can walk into their prayer closet, and he can mark them and change them forever through an encounter with him. God, we are so tired of experiences. We're so tired of coming in and getting a shiver down our spine. We need you to walk into the room and be the electricity like I experienced. We need you to walk into the room and change the atmosphere. I need you to walk into a room and let some people know that when they speak, heaven moves. That when they bind something, it's bound. When they loose, it's loose. That when they speak to cancer, it shrivels. That when they speak to people with identity issues, that it falls off of them. That when they walk into a room, the atmosphere changes. We thank you, O God, and I release your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do, because it's not through us, it's through you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can you give it up for him today? Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.